Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2639, Does Being Exceptional Require an Exceptional Amount of Work? By Cal Newport of calnewport.com. And I'm Justin Mollick. I'm gonna jump right into today's post as we optimize your life. Does Being Exceptional Require an Exceptional Amount of Work? By Cal Newport of calnewport.com. The Obama Method. In response to my recent article on Misery Poker, a reader commented, I wonder about the really exceptional people. Does Barack Obama build a realistic schedule? Maybe extraordinary stress is required to accomplish extraordinary feats. Another reader added, I think extraordinary sacrifices are required for great accomplishments. This is a fascinating argument. Study Hacks, as you know, is driven by the Zen valedictorian philosophy, which claims that it's possible to be both relaxed and impressive. But these commenters are pushing back on this worldview. It's one thing they know to have a successful college career that is also relaxed, but is it possible to have an exceptional career without overwhelming amounts of work? In this post, I claim it is possible, and I'll explain exactly how. Barriers and Myths Let's start with the myth that drives most people's thinking about what it takes to be exceptional. The exceptional effort myth, exceptional results require exceptional amounts of effort. The logic here is obvious. By definition, if something is exceptional, it's also rare. If it's rare, there must be some difficult barrier to achievement. This we can agree on. But what is this barrier? Most people default to the simplest explanation. The barrier that makes exceptional achievement rare is that it requires an exceptional amount of work. This gives us the myth highlighted earlier. For some endeavors, of course, this myth matches reality. For example, running for president, aggressively growing a startup business, or becoming a standout junior associate at your law firm. These exceptional achievements absolutely require lots and lots of work, Their criteria for success have amount of effort explicitly built in. A young lawyer, for example, is judged almost exclusively on the number of hours he bills. But here's the thing, and this is the important part. I claim that for most exceptional endeavors, an exceptional amount of work is not required. In other words, the barrier to exceptional achievement is not the volume of effort, but something else entirely. The magic of deliberative practice. Last year, Jeff Colvin, a senior editor at Fortune Magazine, wrote an article titled, Why Talent is Overrated. 
It was a sensation. He received so many letters that he soon expanded the ideas into a full-length book of the same name. At the core of the article was a simple proposition. The real path to great performance is not built on natural talent or volume of hard work. As Colvin describes, recent research has increasingly highlighted instead the importance of a very specific type of work called deliberative practice. Researchers claim that it's this type of practice, not natural talent and not raw hours spent working, that makes the bulk of the difference between exceptional people and the rest. Colvin provides five traits that define deliberative practice. Number one, it is designed specifically to improve performance. Quote, the essence of deliberate practice is continually stretching an individual just beyond his or her current abilities. That may sound obvious, but most of us don't do it in the activities we think of as practice. At the driving range or at the piano, most of us are just doing what we've done before and hoping to maintain the level of performance that we probably reached long ago, end quote. Number two, it can be repeated a lot. Quote, top performers repeat their practice activities to stultifying extent, end quote. Number three, feedback on results is continuously available. Quote, you may believe you played that bar of the Brahms Violin Concerto perfectly, but can you really trust your own judgment? In many important situations, a teacher, coach, or mentor is vital for providing crucial feedback, end quote. Number four, it's highly demanding mentally. Quote, continually seeking exactly those elements of performance that are unsatisfactory and then trying one's hardest to make them better places enormous strains on anyone's mental abilities. No one can sustain it for very long, end quote. And number five, it's hard. Quote, doing things we know how to do well is enjoyable, and that's exactly the opposite of what deliberate practice demands, end quote. I wanna draw your attention to point number four, highly demanding mentally. In further explaining this property, Colvin tells a story, quote, Nathan Milstein, one of the 20th century's greatest violinists, was a student of the famous teacher, Leopold Auer. As the story goes, Milstein asked Auer if he was practicing enough, and Auer responded, Practice with your fingers and you need all day. Practice with your mind and you will do as much in one and a half hours. What Auer didn't add is that it's a good thing one and a half hours are enough because if you're truly practicing with your mind, you couldn't possibly keep it up all day, end quote. In other words, deliberative practice is hard. It demands we leave our comfort zone. We need expert feedback. We have to return again and again to the same trouble areas to get better. But the one thing it's not is exceptionally time-consuming. It can't be. You simply can't keep it up for 12 hours a day, pulling it all together. I'm fascinated by deliberative practice because it provides a missing piece to our ongoing conversation about becoming a standout. Recall, for example, our discussion of Steve Martin. His path to becoming famous was defined by deliberative practice. Every night, he would return to a comedy club and try to push his comedy a little bit further into new territory. And this was hard. But instead of defaulting to easy laughs, he relentlessly drove his routine forward. We see similar patterns with our student case studies. While Toph was working in Australia, he kept taking on projects that stretched him beyond his current ability within the marketing field. The result was a rapid rise. When he left, 
the company begged him to stay. And Scott had a similar experience, pushing himself to become an Eastern Europe expert once he arrived at law school. He's now on his way to a Fulbright scholarship. Here's my conclusion. For most endeavors, the path to becoming exceptional requires that A, you focus on one thing and commit to it over a long period of time, and B, during this period, you consistently engage in deliberative practice again and again to cause a rapid rise in your ability. This approach is consistent with the Zen valedictorian philosophy. The practice is hard, but short. If you're properly focused and can put in an hour or two of deliberative work on most days, you can become exceptional. Doing more work isn't gonna help, neither will tacking on dozens of other activities or commitments. So if your goal is to become a true star, take a careful look at how you spend your time. Beneath all of your activities and faux busyness, what really matters is the time spent buckling down and putting in the right type of effort to get better at what's most important to you. Everything else is just for show. You just listened to the post titled, Does Being Exceptional Require an Exceptional Amount of Work? by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. Thank you to Cal for the post, another one to ponder and actually relates quite well to the theme we had earlier of needing to put in a certain amount of hours to become a master. So it's been said we need 10,000 hours of practice to reach mastery in a specific field. And that's something James Altucher pushed against in the article we heard a couple of days ago. He said, we can supercharge our learning with a few different tactics, which I agree with for the most part. And I think this relates perfectly because Cal also believes that there isn't this prerequisite of a certain number of work hours. Instead, it's the type of activity we're doing. Again, James in the previous article mentioned different types of activities, like finding someone to talk about the activity with. And it might be a little bit different than what Cal was suggesting, but still I think it does relate back to the main point not feeling discouraged that to get great at something, you'll need to hit that specific time mark. So thanks again to Cal for this one. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.